wow, we are in this weird time right now where discernment versus deception is so important. Good versus evil is getting blended and twisted around where it's really confusing. And so that inspired me to do another podcast episode and also publish another um, blog on my website. So it's called Discernment versus Deception, Good versus Evil. And in my, um, on the website, you will find links to um, different scripture that you may want to read. So you can listen to it or you can go to the website and find it and then click on links so that you can get to the, some of the scripture that I reference. So we are in this deception transition period from what I see happening in the world where good and evil are really mixed up and it's creating confusion about right and wrong. You can see this especially with younger generations that they're, everything that's getting pushed out towards younger gen- generations intended to influence their perspective is just coming at them so hard that if people don't speak up who know what the truth is, there will be a generation that's completely, the truth is completely obscured from their minds. And it's pretty dangerous because it does mean life and death to them. To a younger generation who is just learning and doesn't know, it's really critical and it's really important. So if you care about other people, you'll want to protect those people who are being formed, who are being developed, who are learning right now so that they do know what truth is and what deception is and they can tell the difference. So that's what this is all about. And we were told, our warning came about this almost 2,000 years ago. And if we don't express and support the truth, the younger generations are going to have a really difficult time identifying good from evil. And this is what we were told almost 2,000 years ago. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So today, right now, we are seeing truth distorted, where it's like an anything goes. And of course, if somebody, especially in a, um, if you want to say a religious or a church venue or something, uh, if that entity is preaching to people and kind of making people feel honestly comfortable in sin and that they don't have anything to be concerned about, people want to hear that. I mean, nobody wants to hear that they're in trouble. No one wants to hear that they have sin or anything. But it's not from a perspective of condemnation because that's not what any of us are here for. We are not to judge other people. But we are, anyone who speaks the truth is only there to help other people, to help other people so that they experience this fantastic, wonderful life that God intended for us and that God has designed for us and will come to be in the future. And if we don't truthfully open the eyes of people who are being deceived, and it's not their fault, they're getting pushed all this information. There's there's somebody who's pushing this information or multiple people or multiple, it could be spiritual forces. 
um, because it does say that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual war. It's a um, the principalities, the the unseen. That's what we're really fighting against. But those who are not, who do not have God's Spirit dwelling within them, are very easily um, used by God's enemy to promote the untruth, the lie, in a very deceptive way that can influence people. And so anyone who knows the truth, this is your time to really talk to other people about it and when speak up when you see that things are not true and that there are lies being pushed as truth, but you know their lies and there's no question about it. It's not just an opinion. You know truth from lie. We all need to speak up about that because it's important for other people around us who may not know the difference between truth and lies. So as I said, the reason why I did this podcast and also this um, website post is to give something to people so that you can see or distinguish or differentiate between truth and lies. And it's all from the Bible. It tells us how we can do that. And so that's why I said, if you want a link, you can go to the website to find it. Here's another quote from the Bible. It said, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. So there's a certain point that God gives us to uh, redirect our minds back to him, to turn back towards him. We all end up doing stupid things. And, and then there are times where we realize, and that's kind of what especially the Old Testament and the laws of the Old Testament are there for. They tell us what is right and wrong. And then when we feel convicted by that, that's when we need to turn back to God and ask God for help. But if we keep rejecting God and we keep rejecting his commands and we keep pushing it off, that there's a certain point, and we don't know what that point is, but there's a certain point where God will just say, all right, this is what you want. Go ahead. You can have it. And that's what that depraved mind is so that people start doing what they know they shouldn't do and they just keep doing it. And it eventually will turn into death and eternal separation from God. And it will also turn into punishment from God. But people who are being deceptive and telling the lies aren't going to tell you that part of it. They're just going to say, feel good now and do what you want, be who you want, all those kinds of things that people like to hear. But what they're really doing, that's not love. And they use this false pretense of speaking love and being loving to others. But when in reality, in truth, they are promoting lies and they are telling people something that will eventually kill them, will destroy them. And so it's not in love what they're doing. It's the exact opposite of that. But if people don't know scripture and they don't know what's in the Bible and they don't know the warnings that we were given almost 2,000 years ago, some almost 3,000 years ago, if they aren't aware of that, then they don't have, they don't have help from anyone. And that's the only reason that anyone should, should talk about this is to help other people. 
And people still can make up their own minds. If people choose to reject that, that's their right. They can choose to. We're not forcing anybody to believe the same thing. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm talking about this so that someone can be knowledgeable about what's in there. If someone hasn't read the entire Bible, if someone doesn't know all this information, you need to know it. But I'm kind of giving you like the short version of it the really critical points that you need to know because it affects you personally. So that's the only reason why I do this. Here's another quote from Timothy, um, chapter three, verses one through nine. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected. So just in that part of scripture, it talks about all of the the outward um, characteristics or personality traits of someone who is on the wrong path. Now, God wants to bring them back. God wants them to enjoy what he has planned, where there's not going to be anything that um, there will be no more tears, there will be no more hurt, there will be no more pain, there will only be joy and happiness and love in the kingdom that God has, has created and has prepared and will be here someday where God will actually live and walk and interact with all of us. So a lot of people end up in that state because of things that happen to them by other people, things that other people who didn't have God's spirit did to them. And then in turn, they don't know any better. And so they become just like the example of what they experienced. And unless they get to know Jesus, that won't change. They will continue in that same path. So it's really, while you can be angry at people who are like this, at the same time, it's sad because there's a reason why they're like that. Something happened to them. And the good news, though, is that they don't have to stay that way forever. And once they get to know who Jesus is and what Jesus did, and they get to know God, and they get to know about the Holy Spirit, all of that will change. People's lives change drastically for the good when they know the truth when they are not deceived by the lies if they continue to be deceived by the lies they will continue down that path and that path will lead to self-destruction so we are seeing truth distorted on a continuous basis and not only that but anyone who speaks against these lies that get promoted is then called the enemy and is publicly shamed There's a tremendous pressure for all of us to comply with this new untruth or lie that's deceivingly packaged as compassion and love. 
it's a strong deception, but it's marketed as something opposite, something completely confusing to many. There are many opinions, but there will only be truth remaining in the end. So how to avoid deception, what to look for? The main point is know who the messenger is. Know the messenger. Don't trust anyone that you don't know very well. Find out who they truly are. Find out as much as you can about that person who's giving you the message. See what they, see what their characteristics are. Um, they may be charming. They may be convincing. They may be appealing. They may be attractive. There could be a lot of things about them. But remember this verse from the Bible. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them. For seven abominations fill their hearts. That's Proverbs 26, 25. That was written before Jesus was even born. So we're going back to BC when that was written. So the question would be like, what are the seven abominations that fill somebody's heart? I don't know for certain, but I'm thinking that also in scripture, the seven abominations could possibly be the seven things that God hates. So did anybody know that God really hates things? Well, he does. It says in the Bible, and again, it's in Proverbs. This was written BC. It's Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. These are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty or proud eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood or murder, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. All you have to do is think about that for a little bit and think about, apply that to someone who's telling you something. And if they represent any of that, you know right away you can't trust that person. And this is one thing that I know, again, this is something, a lie that we keep getting told. And this is one of the things that the seven things that God hates, hands that shed innocent blood. Does that sound anything like possibly abortion? Does that seem to align with that? Do you think God maybe hates that? I don't know. It's something to think about, but it's something that kind of stood out to me. And then if the following surrounds their life, do not trust them because no matter how good they sound, you can't trust them because the the following is written in Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. If someone is operating under what Paul calls the acts of flesh, they do not have God's spirit because God's spirit will override someone when they surrender to God. It's it's kind of like um, when you choose to align with God and you give your life to God and just let God use you as a servant to him, basically, which, you know, not a lot of people are willing to do. But when that happens, God will send his spirit to a person and that spirit will begin working in someone's life and begin changing their life. And I know that's a strange concept, but it's true. And there are many people who have 
undergone that transformation and made major changes in their life that no one thought possible. But like the Bible also says, with God, all things are possible. So anyway, getting back to looking at a person who's giving you a message and it sounds good, but don't trust them if they are working under what, like I said, Paul said, acts of the flesh. So here's what it is. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, or intoxication, intoxication, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Paul writes, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. So a lot of us could probably, you know, find things in there that um, even, you know, anybody who has God's spirit now could look back on their life before God's spirit and they could say, you know what, I showed a lot of that or I was part of that. And that's something that anyone who is in that state currently, that you just have to know that everybody was in that state. So nobody's better than you. It's just that they made a choice. The person who doesn't act that way anymore made a choice. And they asked God to help them. They didn't do it on their own. When you try to do something like that on your own and change from that state into, you know, a good or a godly person, you're only going to keep stumbling because it's too hard in this world to reject most of what the world puts in front of you and to choose to follow God. That's a hard thing to do. And as a human being, I don't it's not natural and you're probably going to fall flat on your face unless you surrender your life and you just let God do the work because we are not capable of it. I don't think anybody is capable of it without without God's assistance. I think, you know, you can work on it for a bit, but you'll fall back into it. And unless you have God's spirit constantly working in you, there's a very, very good chance that you're going to fail, unfortunately. But the fortunate thing is that God's spirit is present and available and given to anyone who has the sincere desire to change. So I mentioned like what to look for and those who you shouldn't trust, but then how do you know who you can trust? And so that's the next section is who to trust, what to look for. Well, Paul also says in Galatians 5 verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is something that gets abused by it gets taken out of context um, often, and it's used a lot about love. Everything gets preached about love, but the love that's defined is not the love that's mentioned in the Bible quite often. And so when you're keeping this one command, um, Jesus said there were two commands, the most important command, and the number one was to love God above everything. So number one, God has to be your priority. And then second, to keep the law, it's basically everything is about loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't do anything to somebody else that you wouldn't do or you wouldn't want done to yourself. And, um, and that, is, that is true in a very simplistic form. That's 
the summation of what all of the Ten Commandments are about. You know, some of them are about God and some of them are about people, about how we treat one another. And those are, that's the most simplest form, but obviously we need some details in there um, because if we just, uh, like I was saying already, is that people abuse the word love and they have it meaning different things that it doesn't mean biblically. And so things get taken out of context. But, um, and if you look at also, if you look at the laws that were given back in like Exodus 20, I believe, and then they're also referenced in Deuteronomy. But when Moses um, received the Ten Commandments and gave them to the people, those were, you know, the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus gave a a sermon where he like took those Ten Commandments and he said like for example murder he took it further than that he's like if you were angry with a brother or a sister and I don't know if he really meant like um, a brother in Christ or someone who has God's spirit or if he meant anyone but he said basically if you're angry at someone you've committed murder so in that sense we look at those commandments and we're like nobody can keep those commandments. And so that's why we are not justified or made righteous or made good just in our own works by trying to keep those commandments because we can't do it. So that's why Jesus, the that's the importance of what Jesus did on the cross is when he died for all of our sins. And he basically justified all of us by the action that he took. And although I'm not getting into that subject, so getting back to what to trust or who to trust. So God is love. And when a person has God's spirit or they have love residing within them, you will notice the following things surrounding their life or their personality traits. And it's called the fruit of the spirit. So it's fruit because it is what the spirit produces kind of like fruit on a plant. So it's what the plant produces. So this is God's spirit, but it's the fruit of his spirit. So here it is what is stated in Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if a messenger is telling you certain things, make sure that they're exhibiting those qualities. And that's another reason you may want to like go to the website and actually print this off and just keep it and use this to to evaluate in the future to help you make decisions. It's all God's word through scriptures and through his servants that put together the information that's in the Bible. And it's there, it's been there for thousands of years, and it's there to help all of us from generation to generation. So get it and save it and pay attention to it and reflect on it and think about it because it will help guide your life and it will help you make decisions. It will help you know good from evil. It will help you differentiate between someone who's giving a truthful message or lies. So here's more again. Again, Paul wrote about this. So when we all talk about love your neighbor as yourself, well, what is love? 
So there's a biblical definition of love, and many have heard this because it, it is used in many wedding vows, but it's really important to look at each word that goes into this and and reflect on that and think about think about your own self or think about the people you surround yourself with. Are these traits exhibited? Do do I have or do the people around me have God's spirit? So here's here it is about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. So knowing this information, we can test the messenger and know if this is a trustworthy or untrustworthy source of information, despite the delivery of the message, because there are people that are not so good that deliver really cool messages and are very effective in their message. So you really need to look at the person and determine, is this somebody that I really can trust and do they exhibit these things then if we want to be known as good we should remember that Jesus said there is no one good but God however God is kind and compassionate and with our surrender to him if we surrender to him we choose that's our personal choice we don't have to but if we choose to Jesus said if we ask he will send the advocate which is the Holy Spirit, who once we are open to receiving the Holy Spirit, we surrender and we ask for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will then begin to work within us. The Holy Spirit provides wisdom, guidance, protection, understanding of the truth, peace, gifts, Now, when you get into gifts from the Holy Spirit, there's something, there's a lot of things that are written about that. And I don't list all those things because I don't want to get too off track with this, but I did provide links on the website. So you can find the gifts of the Spirit um, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, and also 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. And again, there's links on the website, so you can just click and go straight to that. So getting back to, I'm going to repeat this again. The Holy Spirit provides wisdom, guidance, protection, understanding of truth, peace, gifts, power, love, discipline, and God's eternal seal placed on us for our resurrection and redemption at the time of Jesus's return. And if this, this is another quote from the Bible, from Romans 8.11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he, or God, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
So that's probably like one of the like really important um, discoveries within the Bible that you need God's spirit. If you want to live in eternity with God and physically have a body, an immortal body, and enjoy the beautiful world, the earth that God is going to make anew, if you want to be present in that place and be able to walk right up and talk to God and, you know, have this wonderful relationship with him forever, you need God's spirit. So you need to make a choice between now and the day you pass away. You have to make a choice because once you pass away, it's too late. So do it now or I mean, as soon as possible. First of all, you know, it's like the next thing I said was like, use it or lose it. And again, it's your choice. So remember these verses and use them to evaluate people knowing who is trustworthy and use it to make future critical decisions in life. And most importantly, get to know Jesus through scripture. Read the Gospel of John. I have a link in the website to the Gospel of John, but you can look it up on any electronic Bible. The Gospel of John really explains, I've said this so many times before, I like the Gospel of John because he was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, and he was, I think he considered Jesus his best friend, and I think he felt like Jesus felt like John was his favorite, although God doesn't have favorites, but he really felt a closeness to Jesus. So I I feel like John is one of Jesus's closest pals, closest buddies. And he wrote about his time, the three years or so that he spent with Jesus. And he documented that. So that's why I really like the gospel of John to read that because you're talking to, you're looking at what was written by one of Jesus's best friends. And so if you want to know about somebody, that's the closest you're going to get to them. Plus, John also wrote about Revelation. So the book of Revelation was written by John. And what's really interesting about Revelation, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but he basically reiterates a lot of what Ezekiel wrote. And Ezekiel had a vision too, but it's really interesting. The angel that appeared to Ezekiel told Ezekiel that he was supposed to talk to his people or the Jewish people at that time. But then when John received it, John was supposed to talk to the Gentiles or basically the people, the foreign people to him. So not his own kind or group of people. He was supposed to talk to everybody else about it, but they tell the same stories. So those two books really mirror each other. There's a lot of similarities in the two of them if you want to study further in the Bible. But anyway, sidetrack. So Anyway, if you believe what John writes about Jesus and what Jesus said, pray and ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit to come to you. We all need the Holy Spirit for all the reasons that I mentioned throughout this podcast. So use it or lose it.